Hello, and depending on when you're listening, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. Or maybe it's in the wee hours of the morning. Well, that's still good morning. This is uh, Richard Lanford. I'm the Redheaded Preacher of the Redheaded Preacher podcast. And we're thankful on this Sunday before Thanksgiving that you have chosen to tune in. This morning's message is called Lessons, or excuse me, Stewardship Lessons Part 2. If you didn't uh, catch last week's podcast, that was Stewardship Lessons Part 1, though it just said Stewardship Lessons for the title. This stewardship message is different than last Sunday's, well, one would hope, right? Um, Because it's got a different emphasis, a different angle, and within that angle there are many pieces. So this message might be, uh, I, I, I suggest you listen closely because I do try to repeat my points but there are many, and uh, so that can be a little confusing or seem a little, um, well, a little confusing. But if you hang with it, you'll see how everything fits together into a, a point or a, or a sub-point amongst the larger idea holding the whole sermon together. Our lector this morning is Mark Loach. He's one of our uh, former deacons and heads up our open and affirming committee and we're glad that he's able to be our lector this morning and we ask uh, for God's blessing on the service with a prayer that I will offer and invite you to join with me in the spirit now great God before we hear the words of scripture and Here's some words about stewardship. We ask for your blessing on us, that what we hear may be what you want us to hear, that what we hear will build us up as your people, both as individuals and as members of communities of faith. For we are here for you. This blessing we ask in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, the head of the church. Amen. And now let's turn it over to events in the service. On this Sunday before Thanksgiving, one thing we may neglect to give thanks to God for is what we're about to enjoy. The scriptures of both Testaments. In case we might forget on Thursday, as we offer our thanks, let us do so now. And while we're at it, ask the Spirit to bless our listening and our thoughts later on about what we hear now. So please, join me in the spirit of prayer. Let us pray. Holy One, your spirit moved over the face of the waters over the period of creation, and ultimately, life came forth as a result of your word. We now ask that your same spirit move over the faces of our hearts and minds, that new life in Christ may be created and nourished and lifted up stronger for the living of these days. We thank you for this Bible and all the good it has done for us, for your people, and for the world throughout the centuries. These thanks we offer and this blessing we request are in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Our opening lesson is often heard around Thanksgiving season. It is Deuteronomy chapter 26 verses 1 through 11. It tells the people how to show their thanks upon harvesting the first fruits of their first harvest after entering the promised land. 
Moses is speaking. When you have come into the land that the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance to possess, and you possess it and settle in it, you shall take some of the first of all the fruit of the ground which you harvest from the land that the Lord your God is giving you, and, you'll shoot, and you shall put it in the basket and go to the place that the Lord your God will choose as a dwelling for his name. You shall go to the priest who was in office at that time and say to him, Today I declare to the Lord your God that I have come into the land that the Lord swore to our ancestors to give us. When the priest takes the basket from your hand and sets it down before the altar of the Lord your God, you shall make this response before the Lord your God. A wandering Aramean who was, was my ancestor, he went down into Egypt and lived there as an alien, few in number, and there he became a great nation, mighty and populous. When the Egyptians treated us harshly and afflicted us by imposing hard labor on us, we cried to the Lord, the God of our ancestors. The Lord heard our voice and saw our affliction, our toil, and our oppression. The Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, with a terrifying display of power and with signs and wonders. And he brought us into this place and gave us this land, a land flowing with milk and honey. So now I bring the first of the fruit of the ground that you, O Lord, have given me. You shall set it down before the Lord your God and bow down before the Lord your God. Then you, together with the Levites and the aliens who reside among you, shall celebrate with all the bounty that the Lord your God has given to you and to your house. This ends the reading from the Torah. Our epistle reading is 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 1 through 13 and then verses 19 through 20. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were enticed and led astray to idols that could not speak. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking by the Spirit of God ever says, let Jesus be cursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit, and there are varieties of services, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who activates all of them in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. To one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another faith by the same to, to another faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the discernment of spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are activated by the one and the same Spirit, who allows to each one individually just as the Spirit chooses. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in the one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and we were all made to drink of one spirit. If, if all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many members, yet one body. This ends the reading from the epistle. Will all those who are able please rise for the reading of the Gospel?
This Sunday it is from Luke chapter 9, verses 1 through 6, and then 10 through 17. Then Jesus called the twelve together and gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases, and he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. He said to them, Take nothing for your journey, no staff, nor bag, nor bread, nor money, not even an extra tunic. Whatever house you enter, stay there and leave from there. Wherever they do not welcome you, as you are leaving that town, shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. They departed and went through the villages, bringing the good news and curing diseases everywhere. On their return, the apostles told Jesus all they had done. He took them with him and withdrew privately to a city called Bethsaida. When the crowds found out about it, they followed him. And he welcomed them and spoke to them about the kingdom of God and healed those who needed to be cured. The day was drawing to a close, and the twelve came to him and said, Send the crowd away, so that they may go into the surrounding villages and countryside to lodge and get provisions, for we are here in a deserted place. But he said to them, You give them, you give them something to eat. They said, We have no more than five loaves and two fish unless we are to go and buy food for all these people. For there were about 5,000 men. And he said to his disciples, Make them sit down in groups of about 50 each. They did so, and made them all sit down. And taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven, and blessed and broke them, and gave them to the disciples to set before the crowd. And all ate and were filled. What was left over was gathered up, twelve baskets of broken pieces. Here ends the reading from Luke and the scriptures for the second Stewardship Sunday service. May God grant us a faithful and joyous understanding of this, the word of God for the people of God. Stewardship. The book that I've used, the student book that I've used for confirmation for many years, has a glossary in the back. And in the back, there's a definition of stewardship. Here it is. The good management of one's time, talents, and possessions in accordance with the will of God. But that same definition goes on to a second affirmation. Thinking that all one has as a sacred trust to be used in service for God and humanity. Well, you know what I realized last week? How personal, how individualized this definition comes across. That's a narrow way to think about stewardship, don't you think? It's almost a built-in to approach stewardship season and sermons as individuals and family units. What gifts do I have that I can share with the church? Or how much money can I commit to giving to God through St. Peter's in 2024? And I suggest that we can also think of stewardship by our communities of faith and within our communities of faith. Such thinking will surely apply to our stewardship of the portion of the Malone estate which the church inherited. Right now, in case anyone's wondering, it is untouched earning 4% interest in a savings account, 
until St. Peter's values and goals are re-examined, perhaps re-established, thus then giving direction to all of our stewardship going forward. Now, we may not have ever thought of stewardship by our community like this before, where it's us as a church doing the stewardship, not you or me as individuals or us as a family. In fact, though, we do a lot of this every year. This is just seeing what we do through a stewardship lens. For example, what might I be thinking of? Well, what are we doing on December 3rd after worship? We are bagging and tagging cookies donated for the night ministries, health outreach van clients, and holiday parties at their special residences. Cookies plus winter hats, scarves, gloves, hot cocoa mix in containers, and maybe more. This is St. Peter's coming together to share what we have to give to others. When we serve lunch at the community kitchen of A Just Harvest, the servers go representing St. Peter's, although the servers may not have donated any of the $500 we asked for the groceries needed, but others in the church have. We may not have done the grocery shopping or delivered the foodstuffs to the kitchen for them to prepare, but someone else in the church has. The rummage and bake sale is an event that helps the church financially, but also blesses those who shop and those who emptied their closets. It is stewardship by the whole congregation with all the donations and combined donated time, effort, energy, and the, to put up, put, that were put into that extravaganza. It's not just one person doing stewardship, it's almost all of us. We involve the community around us to be part of it too. Stewardship by community community by stewardship. In the end, for us as Christians, ultimately it's all for the greater glory of God. God is glorified when you, I, or this congregation use our collective gifts to bless others. Especially when those blessed are the most vulnerable, shut out, shut in, marginalized, victimized. And so, when you have come into the land that the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance to possess, and you possess it and settle in it, you shall take some of the first of all the fruit of the ground which you harvest from the land that the Lord your God is giving you, and you shall put it in a basket and go to the place that the Lord your God will choose as a dwelling for his name. A wandering Aramean was my ancestor, he went down into Egypt and lived there as an alien. When the Egyptians treated us harshly and afflicted us by imposing hard labor on us, we cried to the Lord, the God of our ancestors. The Lord heard our voice and answered our affliction, saw our affliction, our toil, and our oppression. And the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm and brought us into this place and gave us this land, a land flowing with milk and honey. So now I bring the first of the fruit of the ground that you, O Lord, have given me. Then you, together with the Levites and the aliens who reside among you, shall celebrate with the, all the bounty that the Lord your God has given to you and to your house. 
Well, note that this is an individual coming to the priest, but he is identifying the blessings and the works of God, for the most part, as being done to us. And he speaks of our oppression, our toil, even though that was several decades in the past. His offering to God may be his own first fruits, but they represent, they symbolize, and remember to symbolize means to partake in the reality it's pointing to. They symbolize the blessings received from God to all of Israel. It's a community stewardship moment, which in their own way is the same thing this church does as a body of Christ. One body, many members, as we heard Paul tell us. And the welcoming body celebrates. And I say welcoming body because it's, hey, you Levites, you you really aren't going to have a salary. You just live off what is given to you at the offerings. And look, the aliens, I prefer the term immigrants, but that's what the scripture translation team uh, went with. And they all celebrate together the bounties given by God. The us is also important, not in its stewardship of Israel's history lived out, but the plural pronouns show that the worshiper identifies with his fellow Israelites of the past in making that recitation. There is a sense of belonging. There's a sense of belonging. This led me to ask, then, where are are we being stewards of that? the teaching and modeling our belonging to this community of faith and knowing its blessings are from God? Or are we presuming that the next generations will pick up on this sense of belonging by osmosis? Or maybe we assume they will pick up the sense of belonging and gratitude through their own growing up in the community of faith, which should be fundamental to that sense. But recent History and surveys indicate otherwise. Just a thought. Are we, stewardship, are we good stewards of the belonging? Stewardship lesson part two includes in remembering that stewardship is not only done by us as individuals and families, but also as a body of Christ with its many, many members. A body, capital B, which has an identity with God in Christ and which means to nurture a real sense of belonging to this body with many members. St. Peter's, as a body of Christ, lives out stewardship, as do the members and friends as individuals. They're very intertwined, of course. But let us not forget, nor forget to take care of, this body who lives stewardship. Another lesson I picked up is, you guessed it, from Corinthians. As a whole, we know that Paul was writing to a congregation with a number of problems, challenges, opportunities. For example, there were cliques over who baptized whom, dilemmas over eating post-sacrifice food offered to idols, problems over them not truly eating the Lord's Supper, and more. And here, with this body analogy, we learn that the Corinthians needed Paul to teach them about working together. They have various spiritual gifts, services, and activities, all 
bestowed upon the members by the Holy Spirit, who is God. They all have the same sacred source. Some might have been tempted to think their gift, service, or activity was superior to others. But elsewhere, not in our reading from today, but elsewhere in that chapter, Paul dissuades them from thinking that. Who got what gift was up to the Spirit. And very importantly, he wrote, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. It's not about you, it's about the body made up of many members. It's about the common good, the community of faith and those to whom it ministers. Now I doubt that St. Peter's needs to remember that our gifts are for the upbuilding of our church and our outreach to others near to and far from us. What God gives us is meant for us to use for the good of the whole. I think we've got that for the most part. But sometimes, if persons have a hard time working with other persons, we all have our personalities and histories, we may benefit from remembering that we all belong to each other. In covenant, we are called not to always agree, but to always walk together despite disagreements. We are in it for the common good, and often, we can submerge our differences or even our histories that we can get done what the church needs for us to get done. Checking our egos at the door is always good Christian practice. The analogy that Paul gives of the church as body and body of Christ with its many, many members who have a variety of gifts is helpful in another way besides remembering we all serve the common good. That is, no one member is meant to do it all. Way back when I was a teenager, trying to get enough kids together to play sandlot football, I tried to farm the calls out to other friends. You call so-and-so, you call so-and-so, I'll call this person. We'll find out if we can get enough people who are available and want to play. But these other friends generally did not get that job done, and so it was just a spinning of the wheels. So I coined the old phrase, applied it to myself. I didn't coin it, of course. If you want something done right, you've got to do it yourself. That turned out to work for me in that case. If I did all the calling, we'd get enough hard yeses or no's to play or not to play. To some extent, you know, I kept that philosophy for a long time. And to be honest, that voice is still back there, rolling around, waiting for me to call upon it you know, when I really probably don't need to. If you want something done right, do it yourself. Only I can do this. But you know what that can morph into. You do everything you know how to do, and you do everything. There's an inherent in some cases, certainly there are some positions where we have this responsibility. But there's otherwise, there's an inherent, almost implicit lack of trust in others to do the job, whatever it is, as good as me or you. There are sometimes opportunities or tasks which you or I may mistakenly think we should take on ourselves all by ourselves. And when that happens, there are times we'll find ourselves overwhelmed, 
weary, frustrated, and perhaps failing. When we do succeed, we're just worn out. And perhaps patting ourselves on, uh, we're worn out. Maybe we pat ourselves on the back, maybe not. But what Paul and also Luke's stories tell me is that stewardship of our, our communities of faith includes the gifts and resources of our church members and friends and contacts what they have to offer also. Remember the old saying that we can resign from being general manager of the universe? Of our, and if that job's already taken, and we're not the general manager of our lives, really, if we've given our lives to Jesus. This is good stewardship of each other's mm -hmm. gifts, so important to the good functioning of the whole single body. When we need help, if others can help us, we should call for it. And as we're a covenant community where we belong to each other, expect it. Of course, it's also good stewardship of ourselves, our energy and time and hope, so we do not burn out or become bitter. It's good stewardship of the, of the body, of the working disciples on journeys and who are feeding the hungry to know when to stop doing it all by ourselves if it can be shared with others and ask for help. It helps them and it helps us. The flip side of that is that if you and I see one of us who looks like they may need some assistance, to offer it. It is hard for some of us to ask for help, for whatever reason that is. And when someone asks us if they can help us, instead of us having to ask for help and maybe not maybe resisting that, it can be a welcome relief and a strengthening of the bonds between us when that exchange is had. Even if the person who is asked, you know, can I help you with anything? No, but thanks. The bond, I believe, is strengthened by the fact that somebody offered to assist. Stewardship of the body for the common good. Lastly, there are good ways and not so helpful ways to ask for help or ask if someone needs help. I remember back at St. Nikolai, someone had not fulfilled their commitment uh, and so other things that needed to be done that were waiting for that to be done were also not getting done. And someone could simply have said to that person, Clearly, you're not getting this done. I'll do it. Or, why are you dragging your feet on this? Don't you know the XYZ committee is waiting for you to finish so it can do its job? Instead, it would be kinder and probably more successful to simply ask, say, is there anything we can do to help you with this project? He or she or they know it's not getting done already and probably very embarrassed and feeling bad, just not enough maybe to ask for help. So simply asking if there's anything you or we can do to help, phrase it just simply in that way, can be effective, powerful even, and in an authentic tone, greatly appreciated. Once again, the ties that bind can become stronger and deeper in love. We're not meant to do everything all by ourselves. Let us not burn ourselves out unnecessarily. Call on the community's gifts and resources, which, like yours, are there for the common good. 
when someone is not coming through, gently ask if and how we may help. We are meant to belong to one another in covenant as many members of one body, many, one body, a body which, like you and me as individuals and families, also is a steward of our communal gifts, missions, guests, and members. We're meant to belong to one another in covenant. Many, many members, but one St. Peter's, to the glory of God. Alleluia. Amen. I think the favorite part of the sermon for me was one line kind of early on. It was, if I have it right, I don't have it in front of me, but uh, stewardship by community, community by stewardship. And um, that doesn't exactly sum up the message, but diving into both halves of that, you know, sentence, I think is part of what I was trying to say beyond the whole individual aspect of, well, my stewardship, my stewardship. And if everyone who is part of a community of faith and, and really beyond, I suppose, but um, speaking to the community of faith, obviously it's the many members, but acting as one body. So we, we all, because of our individual stewardship, are making contributions of whatever our resources are to the larger body of the church. So our individual stewardship very much is intertwined with the stewardship of the community. Because there, if there is no individual stewardship that takes the community into account, then there isn't any community stewardship because the body needs the members to act as the body. So that's the end of the post-sermon sermon. I thank you for listening. I hope you'll tune in next week when it will be November 26th. And it's not the first Sunday of Advent. It's the Sunday before. I expect there might still be lingering Thanksgiving themes. We really didn't preach on that too much today. So it's fair game. And also, you know, it's the day that it's kind of like our version of All Saints Day in this German tradition that I inherited from this church and other churches with a, a, a German Lutheran background called Totenfest. And we remember the church members who have died with a little detail about them. And I can go from there, you know, it can, it can be another stewardship message and the stewardship of our lives. What's the dash between our birth date and our, our, our death date. Um, and I can talk about eternal life and the promises. In fact, I know, what the uh, New Testament reading is. It's not an epistle, really, from Revelation. And that's definitely an afterlife passage. So I hope you'll tune in. I hope you enjoyed this message. And that will be a wrap for November 19th. May God bless you, and may God bless your week. Amen. Like what you've heard? Hit subscribe to follow and get updates on our newest additions to The Red-Headed Preacher. We'd love it if you'd give us a five-star rating and review wherever you listen to podcasts. You can find us online under most social media platforms by typing St. Peter UCC Skokie in your browser. Donations are much needed and very welcomed. 
you can donate to us by going to paypal.me backslash St. Peter UCC Skokie. This information and more can also be found in the show notes wherever you listen to our podcast. Thank you so much 